Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is in fact the penultimate episode of Alpha Metallica uh, in the original run. We've got one final song to get into before the end of this thing. You really got me, the uh, Ray Davis cover that I bet a lot of you were like, what? Yeah, yeah, that's out there. So maybe go check that out in preparation. But um, more importantly than any occasion is the fact that today we're discussing a Metallica song, any Metallica song. And today happens to be Whiskey in a Jar, the Irish traditional song, uh, you know, that went through so many iterations, was immortalised by Finn Lizzy, one of my all-time favourite bands, absolutely adore Finn Lizzy, actually saw Finn Lizzy about a month ago, not obviously the golden era uh, lineup, unfortunately, but yeah, saw them in this uh, Welsh festival, the Steelhouse Festival, I think it's the highest festival by sea level in Europe, it's up a giant mountain in the valleys, absolutely incredible, check this out, Classic Rock Festival, little plug there, but uh, yeah, so we're going to get into that, I'm going to get into Metallica's cover of that, and just before we do... And the guests as well, please follow me at MetallicaPod, MetallicaPod at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with the show. The Patreon is there. Thank you so much to everyone that has supported on there over the years now. And obviously the show is still going to keep going, but um, just I do really appreciate that support over there. So yeah, if you want to get back to the show, all the episodes like this go on the RSS feed first, or support other stuff up there, like, you know, questions and sort of previews, stuff that I'm working on and whatever. So go support us on there um you know itunes spotify leave us through all that good stuff uh i appreciate there's loads of podcasts out there uh vying for your time and i know that because of my guest because you know i am a huge fan of his show to the point where i actually guested on it quite recently uh, i mentioned the show loads on this show of course you, you guys know that i'm a giant fan of music podcasts in general live on four legs is the podcast with a very unique take on a deep band dive in the it's just set lists that got, are gone through and the songs are reviewed but you know it's more the performance it's more the more the context the history i, I love the uh, analytical archivist bent uh, that the show has and you know it comes from one of the co-hosts randy how's it going sir it seems like i'm not in seattle anymore tom how's it going <laughs> it's nice to bridge the gap and honestly as someone who has been to america a few times on holiday lucky enough to go with my parents or whatever um seattle is the number one destination for me have you been there I have actually. I went. Uh, it was kind of. Uh, it, it was kind of on a whim. Uh, it took me a six hundred dollar flight. I went. Uh, I saw all the destination spots. The uh, you know, museums and yep, Space yep. Needle, Easy Street, all that stuff. I went to a Mariner game. I went to a Seahawks preseason game. I did all that stuff, and I did it by myself because I knew that at the time nobody else was yeah. going to want to do something like that. So it's a really cool city. I definitely want to go back, especially yeah, for yeah, a yeah. Oh, yeah, show. yeah, of course. And they had an exhibit, didn't they, at the um, the Museum of Modern Culture or something like that about a year ago or so? They did, yeah. yeah. Um, all I can really remember from it is that they had the uh, uh, the setup from 10. So you can – everybody uh, had as their profile picture mm-hmm. for a whole year, the, them and their friends, all with their hands up uh, near the, the Pearl Jam logo. They need to do one for verses. Like you can put your mouth through this gridiron. Like, yeah, <laughs> that, would, that would be pretty popular. Dress as a yeah, llama yeah. or whatever that thing is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as I say, you know, you do this great Pearl Jam show and I was on there and thanks for having me. And we discussed uh, the only time that I've seen Pearl Jam, which is Reading 2006 when I was 14 on the Avocado Tour. And, uh, you know, I feel like I was maybe too harsh on the band in retrospect. Like, I am a huge fan. Like, I was quite lacerating at times. Yeah, um, John made a comment at one point. He's like, I'm going to yeah, have to fight you. I'm going to have to fight your co-host in. friend to fight me in the episode. So if that doesn't sell it. But that, that's kind of his shtick, right? I know that he, he threatens to fight people a lot. Well, it really started off with uh, just threatening to fight Matt in the 
few first few episodes and and matt you know he had this combatant style where you know if if one song was played just a little bit off tempo he was like that's it it, it and, shows and matt, matt being me. the original co-host i know he's, he's still involved though he, yeah he's as involved as he can be right now i mean he's my best friend so it's evolution baby it is evolution exactly uh but yeah i mean he's he hasn't been on an episode since june but he's he'll be back at some point he still wants to be involved with the show he's in millions of different bands and you know he's, he's got great. a lot of projects going on but uh yeah, yeah he'll be yeah, back no, no, yeah no, he's I, awesome I, mean, I say that as a, as a fan yeah he knows his stuff and he's a, a really discerning critic and quite harsh on a lot of songs and unrelenting which i appreciate deep down but uh <laughs> but yeah guys go check out live on four legs let's talk about metallica like obviously Pearl Jam are number one like do Metallica rank in the top 10 top 20 for you or are they just a band that you're into they absolutely used to um and they were I would say that they might have been number one or number two back in 1998 okay. 1999 2000 around then they were huge influence on my uh on my musical taste even maybe maybe even more than Pearl Jam was uh at that time because really I was listening to Yield in 98 and I really got into Yield and I was obviously into 10 and Verses uh but it wasn't until 2006 where Pearl Jam really okay. stuck to me so Metallica and more, you know, the new metal bands that were coming out at that time, System of Down, Disturbed, mm -hmm. uh, bands of that nature, I was really starting to get into. But around 97, Load came out, what, 96, 96 yeah. Reload, mm -hmm. 98? 97 was Reload, actually, the following year. Okay, so yeah, 97, I remember uh, it was a big deal when Memory Remains, the video <laughs> came out for that, and I... I, I you know, I was I was into it, and, and I kind of knew I had a next door neighbor who he had an older brother. He was into all this stuff, so you know I would get CDs passed down to me. I would start listening to stuff, and obviously you start off with the Black Album, Enter Sandman, uh, and the easy stuff, and then kind of work your way up. But Metallica was always very early on something that I. You know, out, out of all the bands that were coming out of that time, Third Eye Blind, Matchbox 20, yeah. you know, your pop rock. I love Matchbox 20, by the way. Their, their first three albums, excellent. I I, I remember their mm -hmm. first one, but after that... No, uh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's kind of... Yeah, they kind of they kind of do a yield in a certain way with the second one, but the the, the third one's more of, a, more of a return to form. You, in terms of Metallica then going forward, like, or modern day... Like, have you listened to all the records? What sort of status are you? I kind of, so the last new album that I listened to is probably mm. Death Magnetic. Um, and that was uh, due to um, a reference from a friend who was just like, you know what? I think it's back to form. That was right after St. Anger. Is that the follow-up to St. Anger? Yes, that's right. Yeah, that was 2008. And then okay. we, we last I, had Hard yeah. Got it. So St. Anger, I remember, you know, that was, you know, height of new metal, 2002, mm -hmm. 2000 three and when saint anger came out everybody hated it and i was on the bandwagon <laughs> right. uh and i remember i was i was just at the time i was getting into other stuff like more punk more ska more uh obviously pearl jam in a little bit but um death magnetic came out and a friend said you know what you really got to listen to this and I, I was listening to it i'm like this is metallica back to form this is what i really really like out of them uh but unfortunately i haven't really dipped into any of the newer albums since then okay. uh i'm kind of stuck in my ways you know i like master of puppets and i like ride the lightning and black album and uh i just you know because because pearl jam has such a huge uh library it's really tough sometimes i gotta force myself out of pearl jam just to listen to something else especially the new tool album uh i've okay. been trying i'm 
I'm going to see them in November. And I said to myself, I'm like, I have to get back into Tool just so I can go into the show and, and know the, the five songs that they play because they're all going to last 20 minutes sure. long. Sure. And um, so you were saying you were getting into Metallica like around the reload time, you know, Cognizant of the Memory Remains video, etc. So do you remember um, Whiskey in the Jar, like that video dropping? Yes. And it's funny that you mentioned the video. Um, I don't remember. I didn't remember the video until I watched it yesterday. Right. And when I watched it, I'm like, holy shit, this video had to have been banned, right? Yeah, it was pretty, pretty risque. Yeah. Yeah, uh, house party, uh, you know, a bunch of drunk girls. Very, very uh, sort of American pie but a bit more X-rated. It's definitely X-rated. <laughs> um, and Metallica's just playing throughout the whole thing. They're like, you know, nonchalantly, they're not uh, conversing with any of the, the girls in, no. in the video. And uh, um, I think I remember seeing it, but they, they aired it once and then they were like, that's that's it we're going to save it for, you know, after midnight spots. Mm-hmm. I, I remember, I remember the song cause I remember garage Inc and I remember loving the song at the time and I'll get into to why in a second. But, um, you know, it, it was less because of the music video and more because just the, the album as a single at the time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this, this song derives, uh, from some of the greats in Finn Lizzy, one of my all time favorite bands. Do any of the Pearl Jam guys rock with Finn Lizzy? Actually, yeah. Has Eddie um, like ever rocked a Lizzie shirt, or I don't no, think he has. The the best. Okay, so there was a there was a time they played in Ireland, and they actually did the Boys Are Back in Town. Yeah, that's that cool. was. I didn't know they did yeah, that. That's cool. Yeah, and there's yeah. another song that I think Mike tagged off of Ledbetter at one point. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was. I'm gonna have to go back and okay. uh, maybe I'll tweet it to you guys after the episode. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah but yeah. There are loose uh, thin Lizzy ties. They're more of a um, they're more cheap trick guys from that sure, era. But sure, but uh, th- yeah, I think they're into thin Lizzy too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Lizzy, uh, I've done an episode actually on the relationship between Thin Lizzy and their influence on Metallica, and I did a lot of my own Thin Lizzy history in that chat. That was a really fun sort of solo episode about a year ago or so. So definitely go check that out if you want some more sort of background uh, to my adoration of the band, which I know I've referenced a lot on this show. Yourself, Randy, are you a Lizzy fan at all or? It's just, it's an era that kind of passed me by. Mm-hmm. My dad was really a 60s guy. My brother was really a 90s guy. You so could listen to the albums the, now, though, like. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I, I'm sure I would listen to it and I'd probably be, I'd probably enjoy it. But like my soon to be wife, who actually during this is probably, uh, you're probably airing this and she'll be my wife. Right. Uh, she, her father is from that era where he loved stuff like Thin Lizzy and America and mm. things of uh, and that type of era. Uh, but, you know, I grew up with Beatles. I grew up with Rolling sure. Stones and, you know, very fringe, you know, The Who and Zeppelin. Uh, but it was more, you know, Clapton stuff, even Eagles and stuff like that. So that era of rock and roll sort of passed by me a little bit. And, you know, I. I, I can't say that I know Thin Lizzy's whole catalog. I'd be lying to you if I did, but um, I, I know enough where I can I can I can rock out to a Thin Lizzy song for sure. So you know this song it's it's obviously a cover of Lizzy, but it's kind of a cover of Lizzy's version because the song is like an old Irish traditional song. Um, you know it mentions like counties like Cork and Kerry, and uh, it's about a highwayman. And I think it kind of basically got popular popular through um, the Dubliners recording it, sure. like a, mm-hmm. a, a folk band over there. But um, you know it's certainly a different version to the Lizzy version. And I will say I will just put my cards on the table now. 
I do think the Thin Lizzy version is infinitely better. Wow. Okay. I I think they're they're just two different styles of oh, yeah. just music in general. And uh, what what I'll say about the Metallica version is that they don't try to go all out to be a thrash. It doesn't sound like a thrash metal version. They try to keep as true to Thin Lizzy as humanly possible. And obviously with the distortion and all that, uh, it's, it's harder to have that same groove that Thin Lizzy has mm-hmm. with the song. But this, it's still, you know, I, I feel like, that way with a lot of the garage ink songs they're trying to stay as true to the bands as humanly possible except for tuesday's gone that's complete shit i can't listen to their version of tuesday's gone. really we I'm just sorry. covered that i, I, I did not think yeah, it was I, that bad i i just got to get it out there i thought i, okay. I just think it sounded like trash and i, I love the original from Lerner's oh yeah Kid, love but... the original yeah definitely i mean yeah it's some of the subtleties are sacrificed that i love from the original you know such as i totally understand why they did this because the actual single version of the finn lizzie version did this where they cut off the opening solo the eric bell solo which is this ringing chiming wonderfully wide exploratory thing that harmonized itself kind of before we had gorman and robertson on the dual leads and gary moore and stuff like that and lizzie were always kind of this you know real guitar focused centric band and it that, that's gone you know go listen to the original for that eric bell was stupendous on that but it opens with the bum 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 and rather than being a kind of inquisitive acoustic stab i'm, I'm not saying this is a you know a, a black mark against the song but in the metallica version it's kind of more of an anvil slam you know it's a bit more obvious and it gathers you in and it does have this gallop like you say what, what do you make of this intro as the song begins um you know it, it's funny because you listen to the thin lizzie intro that's one of the things i wrote down i'm like this is straight out of the blue oyster cult playbook yeah. this is like 80s reverb you know intro like they, people don't write bands don't write songs like that no. even in the 90s and the 80s they don't write songs mike like mccready that. don't play like that like uh, well mike mccready has his own style we won't get into mike <laughs> mccready on this show but uh i have said he's uh, overrated dear people, him. but yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm very harsh uh, on kirk on this show i, I have a fit i'm jealous of league guitar players i think deep down <laughs> Uh, but this Metallica version, I, I feel like when you're comparing the two, the to Metallica to Thin Lizzy, Thin Lizzy is kind of more. Um, I wouldn't say it's like being in a pub, but maybe like kind yeah. of like an outdoor venue. And Metallica, really, from watching the music video, it sounds like it's a house party song. Sure, sure, definitely, yeah. They, they and I don't want to keep comparing between the Thin Lizzy and whatever, but sure, yeah, the yeah. the song the song itself does have its own character. It still has, uh, you know the everything from the song really the instrumental interludes um what it lacks is in the verses on the lizzie version you know phil's voice he has such a theatrical tender uh, sorrowful voice and i sure. love the guitar behind it like it's beautiful the way it uses the open string is uh, is fantastic but but yeah getting into the metallica version it has um you know an, an aggression here and what, what do you make about the, the sound of the guitars themselves it sounds again distorted and it sounds kind of it sounds like it belongs in a room full of drunk people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, as far as like what Kirk is doing on it, I don't think he's going that far off from what Thin Lizzy was doing. Just yeah. a little bit faster pace, a little bit faster tempo. But really, you add in that little flare of you know, mashering, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 and that brings the metallica to that song it's like that part to me is so identifiable that um you know the thin lizzie part it's just it's so much more 
melodical and then when you get to metallica they're straight into the point and they're like all right we're we're kicking the door down and uh we're you know we got the distortion going mm-hmm. yeah and i mean there's, there's so much about this song that i do really enjoy you know the, the aping of the main melody dun, 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 dun. they just make it fresh it almost sounds like a kill em all kind of thing they throw on the top of a riff or something <laughs> like i don't know how they do it but it just it feels in a different direction but still ultimately lizzie and hetfield as you say is embellishing his arse off and he has some great yes. lyrics he has some great lyrics to grapple with like the story to this song and the way it is told is pretty unforgettable for me the story's fantastic. I mean, you got uh, a highway man, and he's obviously he's a bit of a he's a wee bit of a drunk, yeah. and he he goes and he, he robs the the official. Uh, you know, uh, reading the stories about this over the years, they they've kind of changed the lyrics. It's kind of like an old wives' tale where you know it gets passed down, and and you know people kind of like playing telephone where mm-hmm. you change a little bit of the story as you go along. Uh, so you know he. Uh, he robs an official, uh, which makes it really it made it really popular in colonial America because of the uh, the robbing of a British official that was that was right. really uh, that was popular for them. Uh, then he goes back home and he he wants to uh, embellish in his riches with with his uh, with his wife Molly or they, they don't specify whether she's a wife whether she's a lover yeah. but. He obviously wants to do everything for her, and he's so enamored by her. and And I don't know if he's just trying to prove himself, or if he's trying to um, provide for her. And obviously, she doesn't take to it very well, and she leaves him. And that kind of leads to I don't know if later in the song it's it's a setup where uh, he you know goes back to Molly's chamber, and there's Captain Farrell. Yeah. He's back there and he shoots captain farrell and there's been different versions that i read about that where she replaced the gunpowder in his gun with sand and they capture and and they take him to jail but um i'm not what do you what do you think about that do you think that that was a that was a trap that she set him up i don't know yeah i think molly is maybe a floozy that he's just tragically infatuated (laughs) with who's at the whim of of anyone for the money that he so craves and it's interesting molly's chambers which became the Kings of Leon song that this is actually where yeah. they got it from, yeah, yeah. That's I, that's a great Kings of Leon song. I, I love early Kings of Leon. You're oh, right. Yeah, I think Kings Kings of Leon up to the fourth album are good, and then then they soured for me. Yeah, I don't. Have they even put anything out? They've done recently? loads. They've done like three or four more albums, and it's just okay. Real bloated millionaire folk like kind of mm-hmm. rock. Like like it's just, it's so smug and self satisfied and and so nothing. Like I, I I you know my party black thumbnail like. Ragu, like they wrote some good songs, right? California Waiting, I remember being a fantastic song that that was on my playlist for years. Uh, but uh, um, I mean, yeah, this this version with Molly, she's uh, she's kind of tricked him, and then you know, at the at the end, he's like, "Well, some men like a fishing, but I like a sleep, and then I want to sleep with Molly. That's mm-hmm. what I desire." But now I'm here in jail, mushering damadu uh, damada now. That, that's that's really interesting that lyric. Yeah. What do you what's your interpretation on that? I, I I forever have never really known what that was. Um whack like whack is is money over here. Like getting whack okay. or something. So I always saw that as kind of, you know, uh currency earned, filthy lucre in a sense. As for the musha ring did I think that's just folk song gibberish, you know. They didn't have as many words back then, so sometimes I had to make odd sounds. 
Yeah, that's that's kind of that's a lot of what I read at first, and then taking a deeper dive into it, I actually found one thing that sort of made it make sense. And I'm gonna just take a look at my notes real quick and make sure that I have the perfect uh, verbiage for this. So uh, there's there's a a phrase in Gaelic, uh, "Musharin Donamata," and according to Yahoo Answers, so okay. this is you know no, big no, source right here. Reliable, yeah. Um, that means whiskey made a fool out of me. Ooh, I like that. So you know it's it's kind of a play on words, but it's it's kind of got this yeah. like um, you know hi ho off to work we go like na da na na you know kind of <laughs> zippity doo da kind of kind of thing like oh. It made a fool out of me, but uh, whack for the daddy. Oh, I got the money. Uh, mm-hmm. It's still whiskey in the jar. And he's doing the whole entire thing. You can tell uh, that he's just a, a drunk trying to get his pay. Mm-hmm. And it really, the, the actual lyrics themselves have this frontiersman expansionist view that for me really chimes with Phil Lynott as a whole and I've often imagined him as the protagonist of the song when he sings this and you know inhabits a lot of the characters there but um you know now some men like fishing and some men like fouling and some men like to hear to hear the cannonball roaring like it just vivid imagery yeah I think that that part with the cannonball roar and I think that's uh going back to kind of like you know uh Ireland and 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 trying and and Britain and I don't know sure, too much sure, about the yeah, history kind of, but yeah. like mm-hmm. uh you know some men like to to partake in war and obviously this is a mil- military official that he robbed here yeah. and he's sort of on the other side he's fighting for Ireland he's uh you know um where again I, I'm not too crazy on the history i just know that ireland fought for their independence from from uh from the uk uh but uh i I think i think it's interesting that he they use that terminage uh you know to hear the cannonball rolling because there's war going on at the time i i I contributed to that Mm -hmm. attributed to that right right yeah it's uh i just i I just think it's just dealt with succinctly and kind of like you mentioned tuesday's gone before and it just has that tightness of phrase like okay i'm not comparing like you know ronnie van zandt to like the legends of the irish song craft but still (laughs) i think he does a great job on there and, and whiskey equally and the song's tight all together really sonically um what do you make of the rhythm section for it i mean the, the, there's a nice moment when it drops down to just james and jason for example on the bass i really yeah i really dig the part at the end like you said the uh, some men like a fish and some men like a foul and they kind of they take it down just a little bit and then right when they get to the mushering uh i'm gonna get that wrong every single time uh uh, they start to build back up and then it kind of goes back into what the chorus was and it's kind of this build walk for the dairy oh yep, yep. and uh it's it's great i i think it never loses its progress even in uh the section with the solo it's it's still staying very steady very on course and then that kind of takes you when it when it takes you down to that part you're you you finally get a sense that the song is changing a little bit until the build until the end so i i I like it it's very simple but it's very effective yeah yeah it is and there isn't much variety really in the track like um you kind of again it's like one of these ones like a lot of the covers you learn the constituent parts and they repeat um here because the guitar isn't quite as stinging as the original version i think some of the licks get a little lost for me but i know i'm biased because i was raised on the lizzie version so i just have those certain impulses encoded there so i can't really battle against that but um you know all in all 
I think this is a really enjoyable version. It's a very, it's what you'd imagine a Metallica version of Whiskey in the Jar was. It's not fateful in a certain sense. It did what the Lizzie version does and kind of took it in a certain direction as well, but using that as a blueprint. And live, Randy, which I know is what you care about most with every <laughs> band. This song has been played quite a lot, actually. I was surprised 74 times so far. Um, it was That's first... considered quite a lot in Metallica world. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not like Pearl Jam in the sense where they'll just throw yield in backwards in like you know fucking Winnipeg <laughs> or something. They won't. They won't do that. They'll have their set. It, it'd be like imagine Pearl Jam have the same set every night, but maybe like the fifth song is like the yield slot, and they'll do two or three in that slot maybe. So we yeah. don't get that much variety. That being said, November seventeenth, ninety eight. This is first performed Toronto in Canada, and last performed a few months ago in Ireland. Uh, that was at the Slane Castle, uh, June eighth. 2019 yeah that and that was a really good performance and if you caught that uh i have not seen a live performance of the song i'm gonna have to go and check it out uh but um you know i i sort of take this vision of what i think metallica is live and i've never seen them live uh i sort of take this vision of what you know pearl jam does live and how metallica can do exactly what Pearl Jam does. And I look at Metallica's set list and they're just like 16 to 18 songs long. And I'm like, you know what? You guys can go for 25. You guys can go for 30. Mm. The fans would really appreciate it. I know they just did S&M. I, I, I didn't look at what the set lists were like for, for their new S&M that they just did. Uh, but man, they can really... They had opportunities to juice up their live act, and they they just never got around to it. And it, it seems it seems like their fans would have appreciated it, and it's just kind of disappointing that they didn't. Yeah, I think it's maybe easier for Pearl Jam to do it. Not only because they have shorter songs, but they have kind of songs that are less strenuous, perhaps. Like you yeah, know, when, okay. when you throw in like a master of puppets down, that's going to take more out of your right hand than unemployable. And I just, sure. I, I, and I think Pearl Jam are a little bit of an anomaly, and you're lucky to be such a fan of such a band like that because pretty much no, okay, maybe like your Dave Matthews and your Grateful Dead and whatever. Fish, yeah, fish, exactly. But but Pearl Jam are a bit different because they're not really a jam band, so they're they're throwing like proper compositions up there. Yeah, it's it's really unique. I mean, again, like like you said, unemployable can come into any set list. And it can feel sort of natural, uh, but they have their mainstays, they have their corduroys, they have their live, even flow, and they're kind of, you know, it's it's not uh, that they're playing them, it's sometimes it's what they're playing beforehand to get to that point and what they're doing after it, and corduroy is actually a really good case with that, mm-hmm. because corduroy is very early in the set, uh, second or third song in at, at the most part, depending on... Uh, uh, what they do kind of to to ease into the show. But then you can get Corduroy. I, in Boston a couple of years ago, got Corduroy to close an encore. And at that point, you're obviously not expecting Corduroy because Corduroy is such an early song. So it's, it's, it's out of your head. But then they go in and they're like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to do Corduroy in, in an encore. And we're going to, we're going to kill the final part of, the, of that set. And it was one of m- the most, unbelievable moments that i've ever seen live just getting that and hearing that there and and the reaction of the crowd knowing every single person there knows that this is something that they don't do obviously you'll hear corduroy at 90 percent of the shows but hearing it in that spot is special I love that you're like bird watchers, you no. Pearl Jam live fans. Like you're just like, yo, this is a rare one. I've spotted, I've spotted the yield track. Like I love it. I love oh, the passion. Series collectors. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, that's the term Eddie's for us. It's 
is it just the, is it just when they came out? Is it like Pearl Jam have legions of like 40, 50 year olds with tons of disposable income who grew up in that sort of era when you could be, you know, prosperous? I know there's loads of millions of Pearl Jam fans, but is that a demographic? Yeah, um, most so, of so people demographic... are like 17 when 10 came out who now are like CEOs and shit. <laughs> yeah, most most of our demographic of, of listeners, I would say, are, you know, white male in their mid 40s. I knew it. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, we get a lot of fans that are, are new to this. Uh, we have a fan that's like 20, 21 years old. He's still in college. Oh, he's and... on the show, right? He's great. Yeah, Eddie Eddie Quintana, shout out to him, and he he did an episode. He went to one show in Tampa, and his dad, you know, he it got passed down from his dad. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, like I was saying before, how my my father passed down the Beatles and Stones and uh, you know the '60s music down to me. I think now we're at a point because the '90s were really it was it was the change of momentum in music, and and I, I'm really hoping because every 30 years, you know, the '60s were such a uh, a monumental point in music, the '90s are a monumental point in music. I'm really hoping that this next decade, rock and roll can figure it out again, and we can get back to that point where we can have some uh, some great acts that aren't like. Greta, Greta Van Fleet or something like right. that. Um, you know, no disrespect to them because they're, you know, they're talented as all hell. Just don't be Zeppelin. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of the parents and my brother, you know, grew up in the 90s. He graduated uh, college, uh, high school in 93. Uh, he has kids now and they're in the car and they'll listen to the serious Pearl Jam station and they'll listen to the Bruce station uh, and some other things, Dave Matthews and nice. some other things. But it's it's passed down through the parents to the kids. And now the kids that are growing up and they're saying, you know what, we we're starting to have kids growing up with Pearl Jam now. And it, it's kind of a a revitalization of the era almost yeah i like that and i've often felt thought what happens do i play my kids at what years like i want, yeah. them, to, I want them to know what a guitar solo is by the age of like three maybe and then we'll get into <laughs> instrumental stuff for a few years and yeah but um normally we would go to twitter here but no one's really responded oddly got a lot of likes but no real comments rob andrews just sends free black hearts for his opinion on whiskey in the jar and fixer master of puns the only person to actually reply absolutely love it Always a joy my boy James is playing lead. Great cover, and I have a lot of sentimental value for this one. So, Randy, any final thoughts on Whiskey in the Jar? Uh, just just one. And, you know, this is kind of going back to, you know, my experience with Metallica. And really early in the 2000s, uh, you know, late 90s, 2000s. I'm not sure if you're into wrestling at all. I'm a huge wrestling fan. I know, I'm huge into battle rap. And through okay. that, there's so many wrestling bars. So I know this kind of pocketed you know nothing really but a little bit but no i'm not a fan though okay so the so the late 90s early 2000s is the attitude era uh you have three major promotions that are going at at it uh ecw wcw and wwf obviously and ecw is really interesting at this time because they're influencing a lot of kids to go into their backyard and hit each other over the head with light bulbs and it's it's Mm -hmm. fascinating and that's sort of you know my ninth and tenth grade that's that's what we did we you know not as dangerous as what ecw did but we wrestled in my backyard you know every other weekend or so and um ecw also used tons of metallica theme music i would go yeah uh even indie shows they would use metallica music because it wouldn't be um 
uh, it, it wouldn't be on television, so they wouldn't need to uh, the copyright laws and all that. Um, I, I think Sting and WCW, I think he used Seek and Destroy. The Sandman used the Motorhead version of Enter Sandman. Uh, so it has that connection to it. And I mentioned that because for one wrestling match that I had in my backyard, uh, a horrible one, uh, I used the theme song Whiskey in the Jar. Hmm. Just for the one. And we've had, I think, almost everybody had a Metallica song as their theme song. There was, you know, somebody used Fuel. Somebody, uh, I think Free Speech for the Dumb was used Ah. at one point. Uh, Said but True. I mean, Minus Human. Uh, You know, Metallica was a huge influence on that backyard wrestling uh, era. And uh, shout out to uh, Stop Sign Bob, who I'm going to force to listen to this just for this little part right here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, guys, let us know what you think of Whiskey in the Jar. Uh, get in touch with us at MetallicaPod, MetallicaPod at gmail.com as well. Randy, we'll close with a few quickfire questions. The Let's first of which being, what's your favorite Metallica song? Um, okay, so uh, if you were to ask me in 2001, I probably would have said something off Ride the Lightning. Uh, I was really into creep death at the oh, time uh love master of puppets obviously and you know sad but true but now i feel like i don't want to say my metallica taste has richened a little bit but i'm starting to understand how really really well composed songs like one and battery are and those I, i've always loved those songs but i have a new appreciation of them now sort of understanding music a little bit more uh as i'm 33 years old so i, I would say um i think one is their their best written song uh but battery might be my favorite album um i'm gonna have to say just for nostalgia purposes probably ride the lightning because i just remember you know sitting in my room as an angry teen just listening to to it nonstop, and that was the one you know uh just ride the lightning in general has this like this viking force sound to it and i i always enjoyed it i always loved it so yeah um or even over black album i think ride the lightning I, i would take favorite member of the band um you know and maybe not musically but i really uh i like kurt as a human being because he's just not the kind of guy that you would expect to be in a metal band uh he's you know he's into comic books and he's into toys and you know loves uh, that horror he loves that yeah he loves horror movies and it's not like you know horror movies like where it's you know it's cool to like horror movies he's a nerd about it which Mm. i I find to be really cool um yeah i would say over everybody else I, i would say probably kurt and we said before you hadn't seen the band live right no, but I have a good story about it. Okay. Uh, so, 2003, uh, the Summer Sanitarium Tour, that's when St. Anger came out. Uh, I did have tickets to go and see them, Giant Stadium. And this this lineup, uh, by the way, this was um, Mudvayne, Deftones, Limp Biscuit, Linkin Park, mm. and Metallica, obviously, closing. That's, that's an interesting lineup. And one that I can look at now and be like, oh, Thankfully, I didn't go. Uh, but the reason why I didn't go is that my music taste was sort of in flux at the time. I was really changing, like I said before. I was getting into ska and punk a lot. Uh, and it was really during that era that I was sorting, sort of leaving Metallica behind. So I, we had tickets. I bought the tickets. 
uh, a friend that I had at the time. Uh, I just told him, you know what, if you can find somebody to take the tickets, do it. Uh, he wasn't somebody I was hanging around with a lot at that point. It was just kind of a momentary thing. So I gave them the tickets. And what happened on that day was uh, uh, I had a backyard festival at my house called Randy Palooza that I've mentioned on Live on Four Legs before. So that same date is also the date of the Pearl Jam Live at the Garden DVD show. Huh. So interesting, just kind of how yeah. worlds collide like that. And uh, if you, well, I mean, you do do a podcast about uh, a musical band or artist that isn't Metallica, um, that being Pearl Jam. But is there any other, like, if you did, a, if this show like Alpha Metallica, what are some other bands you could cover? <sighs> you know, that's that's really tough because I, I I'm just so. I'm, I'm so deep into this world of Pearl Jam, but the, there, there are things that I really love just about music in general and, and like history of rock and roll, uh, rock and roll conspiracies, you know, the conspiracy over like Jimi Hendrix death, uh, the conspiracy over the big bopper, those things right. like really, you know, I listened to another podcast that talked about these things and I was really interested in that kind of, uh, those kind of stories, anything with just really fun stories about the history of rock and roll. I, I, I would love to do something like that. Mm. Yeah, there is. Um, oh, what's it called? It's called like the New College of Rock and Roll or Popular Music or something. It's this Canadian mm. show that's been going for like forty years, and they do like mini episodes on like band origins and stuff. They're really well produced, actually. It's kind of like their PBS or something like that. Um, so yeah, interesting. That, that's a cool one. Um, something like that. Cool to like that. But um, I guess finally, you know, Pearl Jam. Yeah. You and the podcast. Like, are they going to be touring? next year like because it's going to be cool when you can actually review a show you've just been to yeah we we were we were actually we were lucky enough to do that when we oh, started the podcast out. Saw, we went, yeah the um, yeah the fenway show yeah, the, sorry fenway, so, yeah. they played so many baseball stadiums <laughs> i know uh but it's cool like you know they're they're big baseball guys especially eddie so you know getting him in in wrigley field and how much he loves and adores the cubs is just you know i went to the first show that they did there it's it's unlike any other atmosphere that you can get for a concert um but as far as uh, we thought that something would happen in 2019 unfortunately it, it didn't but there have been some rumblings that they're in the studio that they finished in the studio alternative nation has a lot of articles if you want to go on alternative nation and find some some stories there about what pearl jam is doing Go nuts and, okay. and feel free to believe whatever you want because Alternative Nation loves to post Pearl Jam shit at any time they can. Uh, but we don't know if any of it is true. Uh, we do know that the last time McCready spoke uh, to a radio station, he said that they were working on something. So 20, 2020, we're crossing our fingers. We're, we're really hoping for this. And uh, yeah, again, like you, like you said, we are hoping for a tour that we can just get on the podcast the next day and be like, all right, so what about this show was great. Mm -hmm. We're, we're really looking forward to that stuff. So people go and check out this podcast. You know, they go through all these various tour dates, some of them that are completely obscure and on the face of it meaningless, but internally fascinating too, like mythic shows, like your Pink Pops, etc., like your Reddins 2006. And, uh, you know, though, you, you said in that episode, you said, oh, Reading 2006, it's, it's a know-nothing show. It's, it's a meaningless show. Mm. When we posted that episode, 
I didn't realize how many people on the day that because we I think um, the week after was the anniversary. I didn't realize how many people were posting stuff on the anniversary being like, this is the best version I've ever heard of sad. This right. is one of the best lives I've ever heard. I, I was I was shocked because I'm like, first of all, it's a festival show. Second of all, it's 2006. It's, it's you know, there's so much that happened that year that, that was great that this Reading show it seems to have more of a standing that, that we thought it did. And, and maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe people listen to our show and they, you know, took something from it, but I, I you know, hmm. it was a great show. I, I, I think you, I think you underestimated it. Maybe I, I, did. It maybe than- I did. And I was there. So yeah, maybe I need to be more of, a, <laughs> more of an optimist of things, but um, yeah, people, I know there'll be a huge crossover of people that already be aware of you. And, um, you know, had a rally on the show just recently for Unforgiven 2. Yes. And, uh, you know, he's a great dude and he's been on your show as well. And he's a, you know, very he's a super support. fan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome guy. Um, So yeah, guys, let us know what you think about Whiskey in the Jar. Again, go back and check out the Finn Lizzie Metallica episode that I did a few months ago. That was a really fun solo chat. Um, Randy, anything you'd like to promote yourself, sir? Um, live on four legs podcast again, like honestly, if you're not a Pearl Jam fan and I know the crossover from Metallica to Pearl Jam is, it's probably half and half, you know, uh, but honestly, what we do is kind of unlike any other music podcast that's out there. We go and we do the, all this research within the bootlegs. We do the research within the history of the band. I don't, like you said before, I don't know if anybody can do this for any other band. So, uh, you know, most of my time is, is most of my free time is spent doing research, listening to bootlegs, uh, you know, doing social outreach and all that stuff with, with this podcast. So I, I couldn't possibly have anything else to promote besides, besides yeah. this. So, uh, check it out. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. Uh, and if you happen to feel free to head on over to our Patreon account, we're starting to do a lot more exclusive stuff now. So if that's something you want to help us out with, we're absolutely appreciative of it. And, uh, yeah, live on four legs mm-hmm. yes yeah. uh, you know that's the show i can we, we are the sh- we are the show that covers the shows i suppose nice nice is that did you just come up with that i just came up with whoa that. okay i can see branding right now and you know like like, like metallica as well uh with pearl jam there's loads of podcasts out there and you know it boggles my mind the depths of these bands and um yeah, yeah go and check out live on four legs with randy and john and matt and everyone else that's associated with the program uh we'll be back for the final episode next week look out for that and lots of other stuff coming in the future as well because we're not actually going to end the show uh patreon is there all the stuff have gone the patreon first i'm actually recording this quite a few uh, months beforehand because randy's getting married so randy i just want to say um congratulations in advance thank you <laughs> uh, Ten, ten, ten days until we do ten until days. we do this. So you know, whenever this comes out, I'm sure I'll have a different take on it, and I'll, I'll you know, everything will happen at that point, and and we'll be we'll be on with the rest of our lives uh-huh. finally. But yeah, this has been like two years in the making, so I'm 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 ready to do this. All but right, thank you right. very much. I appreciate. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, this will actually be out. I think in about two months. So uh, yeah, so yeah. Um, but um, yeah, guys, whiskey in the jar. Finn Lizzie, 
thanks again for listening. See if you really got me. Go back through the archive. Check out all the old episodes. We've done 164 of these things right now. Um, and I'm sure there'll be more in the future. Maybe in the two months that have elapsed since his Metallica have announced like a new EP coming out, whatever. And there's kind of stuff on SM2 I want to review as well. But SM2, that just happened in this time zone, but obviously uh, was a bit more recent view. This doesn't really make sense unless people are listening to this on the day it gets released anyway. So we might edit all this time stuff out. But uh, <laughs> this has been Tom, Al Metallica, Randy, Live and Four Legs. Randy, thanks again. Hey, thanks. This was a lot of a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on.